Well, greetings, PPL family. I'm Paul Williams, President and CEO of Project for Pride and Living. Welcome to the Race, Place, and Policy podcast, our new podcast here at PPL. PPL has been building communities and building success through affordable housing and career training for for 50 years now. Um, And welcome to this workspace uh, where we're building community and building success through dialogue uh, in particular. We hope that this is a lively discussion with lots of ideas. Uh, We think that this can't happen without including conversations about race, place, and policy in that discussion. So we thank you for joining us and we hope you'll also be uh, part of this discussion on an ongoing basis. Um, This month, our conversation is about neighborhood vitality, the importance of place. How do we enrich and empower neighborhoods to be strong uh, and safe? Uh, I'm joined by Sandra Samuels, the founder and CEO of the Northside Achievement Zone, or NAS, as some call it. Uh, Welcome, Sandra. Excited to have you with us. Oh, thank you, Paul. It's great to be with you anytime. Fabulous. Well, I I so appreciate you taking time to join us. And and, um, I've I've known you and admired you for many, many years now. Um, But I want to start, actually, just by I'm curious to have you share a bit about your background. How did you come to this work? And what fueled your passion for for community? Yeah, so, um, Paul, I was born in New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, uh, same hospital as Whitney Houston and Queen Lativa. I can rap. I can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard you sing. Yes, I can rap. I can rap. Can't sing. And uh, but anyway, but, you know, um, our community, my my family, you know, Jim Crow South, my mother from South Carolina, my father from Georgia, um, moving up north with the great, great migration and um, with the promise of the northern cities and then um, all of the racism and the Newark had its own um, violent summer and race riots in the 60s as well. And when fair housing legislation opened, our family was able to leave the inner city and move to the suburbs. And, um, and, uh, and then I, I integrated a white school in, a, in the suburbs. And when we moved on the block, there were, um, we were the first black family. And I'd say five years later, there was only one white family left, right? Mm, so the wow. white flight is real. But anyway, I, I say, and then I went to two historically black colleges and universities. Um, but the thing that really, uh, the, the kind of, um, the pivotal moment for me, Paul, was when a young African-American uh, friend of mine, we were about 13, 14, Butch, was murdered. Um, and it was community violence. And Butch was um, just a cut up wasn't in a gang, um, though, though some of his friends were. His dad was a cop. Butch was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I remember that was my first moment of, because, you know, after Butch got killed, I was like, okay, so we're going to stop everything, right? Because Butch is dead. And we're going to figure out how this doesn't happen again. That's what my 14, 13-year-old mind was saying. And, you know, the wake happened, the funeral happened. And then, you know, some tears got shed. Everybody said, this is senseless. By the way, this is the same process we go through today, right? And nothing changed and life went on. And I couldn't understand why life didn't stop. But anyway, that put me on this um, journey, Paul, to understand um, inner city violence, violence, racism, um, you know, what did it mean? You know, how did we come to this? I mean, I was just on a journey. 
And, um, but I moved to the Twin Cities to work for Ford Motor Company in marketing after getting my MBA. But I spent most of, a lot of my free time in North Minneapolis volunteering. Finally did Peace Corps, all in, this, in, in Africa, all in this search ball for, for meaning and understanding of what was happening in our inner cities in America, right? And, uh, and then came back, came back, did, did AmeriCorps and still grappling with it, but understanding that there were places in this country where justice just wasn't happening and that black folks were, were, um, were unfairly impacted by it. And so um, finally, when I um, moved back to Minnesota, um, it just made all of this came together and my husband and I, and we decided to live in North Minneapolis, not to fix North Minneapolis, but to be part of, uh, um, but to, to, be, to be part of the energy that was already happening here, to be part of the, the tapestry of, 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 of self-improvement and development alongside our neighbors. And, uh, and many older folks told us that they prayed us there. Mm. Um, but that really, and so Paul, for both my husband and my family, that's been who we've been on the North side as neighbors. In fact, I call my neighbors nanes and, uh, <laughs> and we, <laughs> and we, um, and we constantly are thinking through what do we need to th- do? So when an issue is presented to us, we're leaning into how do we address it as neighbors, well, and I just, I think that's so powerful. And I, you know, I've certainly known that about, about you and Don and your commitment and very much um, actually reflects our founder, Joe Silvaggio's yeah. commitment. Joe in the seventies, you know, said, I'm moving into the neighborhood, yes. Yes. right? And literally lived yes. in that South Minneapolis neighborhood, the central neighborhood yes. uh, for his entire life. And, yes. and there is something powerful that is the community in community development. Yes. Right. And yes. and um and and it has everything to do with your nays as you call yes. them. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, I, I just I love that. Can you talk a little bit? I know that uh, that you you uh, the I want to hear more about kind of the NAS model and how NAS yes. came to be. Um, but but particularly, I know you started your your work kind of. I think at the time it was called the Peace Foundation. Yeah. And just yeah. kind of talk about the, the evolution from Peace Foundation into the into the, the NAS model. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, Peace Foundation, public engagement, community empowerment. It was started in about 2003 by Don and my husband and Michelle Martin. Right. And uh, and the whole idea was that, you know, what was happening in North Minneapolis was not a North Minneapolis problem. Right. It was created by our city, by our state. Right. And so then the solution couldn't be you can't just say those people right there need to fix that when there's so many things that we didn't cause. And so that was the idea that we would build this movement of folks, not just in North Minneapolis, but in the um, neighboring communities to say um, the some of us. Right. That that we all win when we all win. And uh, and and many folks leaned in. But anyway, so worked on ending violence. So that was a thing. Like we moved here. And in fact, Paul, when Don and I moved into the neighborhood from from a Dale Selby area in St. Paul, um, the first I, I we had we didn't have any children yet. And um, I picked out this room to be our baby's room. Right. Because I was anxious to have a baby. And that's going to be when when we are pregnant, that's the room. 
And next thing you know, one, one night we're downstairs and we hear bam. And like, we're, we're moving from Delby sale, Selby Dale. Right. And we just did not hear gunshots in the area I was in, Paul, like on any, with any kind of we just didn't. And uh, and so we didn't know it was a gunshot. Mm. And later we go upstairs and we see that the window was, you know, a bullet had come through and hit the back wall of mm. what would have been our child's room if we had had children. And we said, oh, time to organize. <laughs> right. We're in the right place. So that's when we started. That that was the beginning of our working on the violence of North in North Minneapolis, right? In the in the attendant causes. Um, but then as we kept doing it and kept burying young people and having vigils and having marches and creating North Side youth stand up and going to the Capitol, and we and we would see violence ebb and flow. But it, you know, it'd be up one year, down one year, up one year, you know, and it was like this is we realized that violence was not the problem but it was a symptom of a greater problem and that we needed to get to the root. And so when we, and we had already started noticing that all the kids who were murdered, many of them who were murdered, not all, but for sure, the young people who were committing the murders, um, their educational outcomes were um, um, tragic. And, um, and, and many times their family situations around housing and jobs and so on was also tragic. And so we started seeing this theme. So when we heard about the Harlem Children's Zone that was bringing, looking at a place, Central Harlem, 10,000 kids, this certain Central Harlem, certain number of blocks that they were focused there to give all of those kids what they needed to become middle-class we thought that is the solution to violence right there. And so, so, so that, uh, so really you built the NAS model off of that Harlem children's zone yes. model. Yes. Uh, and, and, and can you just describe kind of the core components of, of NAS? What are, what are yeah. the, what are kind of the, the, the key strategies, I guess? Yeah, the big one. And, and Paul, I just want to say, um, one of the key strategies is having partners like PPL and leaders like you who are partnered with us. And, and PPL has been part of NAS since the very beginning. But it is a holistic, comprehensive, place-based approach to ending local violence and supporting families as they lift themselves out of poverty, um, ending multi-generational poverty through education of children like education, education, education has always been what we've known is the ticket um, to the middle class and to, you know, right, the, the life that we all want for our children, but then whole family supports because, you know, a, a child can, a child comes from a home, <laughs> right? And so you want to make sure that home is stable. And so um, we, the way we do NAS to end poverty, to end multi-generational poverty, focused on educational whole family support is by a collaborative of like 30 partners, PPL is one in both housing and jobs. You, you, of course, you know, you, you, you all fall in both those categories, but we focus, our partners are in housing, jobs, health, early childhood, K through 12, after school, summer, colleges, and then we do a whole host of parenting education classes. And the whole idea, Paul, is to wrap around families. And we focus, we target African-American low-income families in North Minneapolis, in this place, mm -hmm. right? To wrap them around with supports, 
um, while, and we help them to focus on their child's education, um, while we also partner with um, um, the institutions that are educating kids to make sure they are high quality. And we've been doing it for 11 years now, and we've had amazing outcomes. And I will tell you, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so much captured in there. And again, your PPL has been um, a partner really from from the from the uh, the get go. And I know um, certainly Steve Kramer and PPL prior to my yep. coming to uh, to PPL were very involved early on. Just again, kind of helping you know, kind of strengthen the organization as it was kind of evolving and growing, yes. and yes. and we've been involved in the housing side in particular uh, for quite some time. Yes. Um, both in terms of of helping you all administer some of your kind of rental assistance dollars and yes. helping families stay in their homes as well yes. as find um, existing homes, uh, and then more recently we've really expanded that role to include. Um, new housing developments that we're making available to NAS families. And then a couple of years back also uh, took on a, a stronger role in employment and training and, and helping NAS families kind of access different training opportunities and, and now are expanding even into financial education and, and yes. kind of wealth, uh, yeah. uh, t- kind of wealth building strategies and, and potentially getting into home ownership and things like that. So it, it's been a robust partnership. And, and again, I've been so impressed with, um, you know, the 30 some different partners. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about kind of the backbone function? And, and again, this is more just helping our, our listeners understand the, the structure and how do those partners work together? And then, and then talk just a little bit about NAS's role as the backbone of, 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 that, uh, of that collaborative effort. Yeah, Paul. And, you know, I think this is the strength of the Northside Achievement Zone. And it is what nationally. And, Paul, you were just part of a site visit by um, a national organization that does major funding of place-based efforts. They, I mean, I, I don't know if people in North Minneapolis realize that we are on the map nationally. Mm-hmm. When people say, how do we do this? They look to us. And so, and and it's because of our partnership. What we learned early on was that you can't lead a collaborative collaboratively. Somebody has to wake up eating, sleeping, drinking, pooping, how we move, (laughs) right? Gotta keep it real, keep it real. Right, yeah, that's very real. How we move this this collaborative forward. Somebody's gotta do it because all of the partners, Paul, you, you have your own board, your own mission, your own values, your own strategic plan, your own employees, you know, your own fundraising to do. So we had to create this thing and that's what a backbone does. It, It allows an organization to say, we get um, the picture of the whole and how important the whole is. And so the mere parts, which we are all a part of, um, um, that's, that's not, um, or, or not, I'm not going to say that's not, it's both and. Um, that's important, but the whole is extremely important because our families don't come in uh, pieces. But anyway, as a backbone, what we do to provide that kind of agency of our network is um, 
we, we do a couple core things. One, um, we um, convene all the meetings, right? We make sure we have shared communication. We have a shared data system. We have one called the link. Um, many of our partners utilize it. And if they don't utilize it directly, they send us the data to put in it. Shared, shared data is critical. Um, we have all come together and, and agreed on a mission. We've all said, everybody's agreed, no matter what their organization is, that we're gonna work together because Northside families and children should succeed. And we too want to end multi-generational poverty. We do most of the, um, the analysis of how the collaborative is, we do all of the analysis of how the collaborative is doing. Um, we work on policy, not in systems change, not just NAS central, there is no NAS without our partners. So it's, you know, what are the policies our partners are working on? What kind of things can we move forward? Education is big for us as a core, but certainly, you know, Paul, we've been, we want to partner with you around housing and have done so in all of the different key areas. So it's really the policy, the convening, the communications, the data, the evaluation, and, um, and we have a real focus on racial equity in terms of our partners. You know, you, you have to share, you, you, you got to at least share the values of your partners. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's one core value. And I know that's central to PPL. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It really is. Well, I want to uh, just talk a little bit more about, again, that place-based focus and the comprehensiveness yeah. uh, of the approach. And, and uh, uh, the, the, the recent NAS strategic plan, which you all mm -hmm. just adopted, uh, really deepens the commitment yeah. to place, um, to, to the neighborhood. Um, yeah. So why is that important? Um, and a kind of a question, a little bit of a devil's advocate question. Do you think it's a stretch to single out an entire neighborhood for change. Yeah, that's. I, I, I mean, it, it. How can how can one initiative, mm -hmm. you know, kind of take responsibility for, you know, this thing. entire North Side community? Right, right. Um, so, Paul, I'm so glad. I loved. I, I love that you asked that question. So, you know, we intuitively knew, and we saw we saw Harlem Children's Zone having wild success at it. They said our stomping ground is Central Harlem full stop. And we see there is no black white achievement gap um, in Harlem any longer, in, especially in central Harlem, there is not. So we know just like other people got people on the moon like us when we knew that somebody got people on the moon, if they can do it in Harlem, we can do it in North Minneapolis, mm -hmm. right? Just straight up. But anyway, but here's the place-based thing that, so this has been years, it's been decades. But that, you know, Harlem Children's Zone is like 25 years old now, right? We're 10 plus years. But what really put placemaking, I think, and Paul, you tell me, because you've been at this game a long time, on a national level of, in terms of people willing to fund it, is the research of Raj Chetty, Dr. Raj Chetty. And Raj has won all kinds of prizes. I think he won the Nobel Prize, I think, I'm not sure. But he and a collection of researchers for years looked at neighborhoods and they looked at children in those neighborhoods and they did longitudinal analysis of kids from different neighborhoods and they mapped the whole country. And, and they mapped how their earning power 15, 20 years later, right? 20 years later, their earning power. Mm -hmm. And what they found was, and you can look up opportunity maps and you can plug in your zip code, and it will tell you how much children in your neighborhood will probably make in 20 years. 
And so, um, so they did this around the country. And at first, what they landed, and these are the smartest people, okay? Everybody's listening to these really smart people. What they landed on, and Raj Chetty led this, Dr. Chetty, was, okay, well, the kids born in these neighborhoods like North Minneapolis, low-income, low predominantly uh, communities of color, disproportionately low-income, of course, you know, we're not all low-income, um, uh, um, um, disproportionately communities of color, um, low educational attainment, things of that nature. Um, the kids' outcomes are terrible. All they, you, you can see a heat map. So his solution was, we need to take advantage and move these kids out to where the outcomes for kids who look like them are better. So, so, so public housing, for example, shouldn't focus on the inner cities where the outcomes are worse for kids. They should focus on the inner ring suburbs because at least kids are doing a little bit better out there. So our thing was like, okay, Raj, get, we get that. So let's go ahead. If that is the game then, if we're going to really have equity, then what kids do we leave behind? So because according to your th theory, we need to just empty out North Minneapolis. We need to empty out Gary. We need to empty out Detroit. We need to empty out Newark, you know, and I can go on. And Raj himself realized, you know what? It's not about moving the kids to another place. And sure, that's certainly a strategy. And we do that sometimes. It makes sense. But his thing was, we need to change the places where these kids are born and raised, right? And so, so focusing on place and that, Paul, when that research got out, um, it like blew the lid off of the funding community, right? Yeah. And they started saying, oh my gosh, these outcomes are atrocious. And so we better help to transform the places instead of displacing the kids. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what years was that, uh, was that research done? You Boy, know? Paul, I think, I want to say um, Chetty's been, it's about 10 years now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, it, and that very much, you know, um, aligns with a lot of the experience, certainly that I had in my many years working across the country with LISC, Local Initiative Support Corporation, um, as well as in my experience working in, in core city neighborhoods here in the Twin Cities. Uh, you know, if you remember John Powell at all, again, another, yes. uh, you know, great uh, 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 economist, sociologist, uh, urban planner, you know, John talked about the importance of creating communities of opportunity, yes. right? And, and I grew up over in right. Rondo. I grew up at Selby and Dale. Right. My grandfather's dental office was on the second story of the, the red brick building that's still there at Selby and Dale. Mm -hmm. So before you got there, I guarantee you there were bullet holes in a lot of windows um, right. uh, in, in that area. But, but, but the whole notion, the whole notion was why is it that my people always have to be moved out? Right. 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 Why can't we create right. communities of opportunity here? Right. right. Without displacing our folk. Right. And, 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 and creating a, a genuine place of opportunity that has mobility and has choice. Right. For those who do want to move to suburban areas and or other communities. Absolutely. You know, we, we want to have that choice available to folks. But I also want this place, this neighborhood to be a community of opportunity because there are lots of folks who want to live yeah. on the north side. The north side is a beautiful neighborhood. It's beautiful. Right. The, the, the housing stock on the north side, outstanding parks and green space, outstanding, vibrant people 
outstanding, kind of across the board. It's like, it is a community of opportunity despite the challenges, right? Economically, despite the challenges in terms of the crime and the violence. And so, so I, I saw, you know, early on in my travels across the country uh, and certainly in the work of PPL, I, I got out and, and actually saw Harlem Children's Zone, you know, early on. Um, other great work was being done in the, in the, in the South Bronx, the Mid-South yeah. Bronx Desperados, okay. in Bed-Stuy, okay. uh, Bed-Stuy Community Development Corporation, Indianapolis, Chicago. Um, wow. This notion of neighborhood-based comprehensive community development, right? Yes. Um, where the important piece of it is the importance of voice. Right. And for us at PPL, that's one of the things that we've always been so um, really valued so much about NAS is that you all started with community voice mm -hmm. with a, as a central tenet of right. what are we doing and how are we going to do it, right? right. That the importance of that backbone, having a lead entity that is right. wakes up every day, right? Thinking and planning about how this needs right. to work. And then again, this notion of multiple strategies, right? Having... Right. Um, it's not enough just to build housing. I said this earlier, right? For a right. long time, community development was obsessed with right. housing development, with right. just building units of housing. We have to think about the multiple uh, uh, aligned strategies and, and education, by the way, I think is what is unique about NAS and Harlem Children's Zone is the laser-like focus on education. Not many of those comprehensive efforts across the country really focused on education first and foremost, right? It was the notion of, okay, let's, let's do some job training, important. Right. Let's wow. revitalize the, the neighborhood, you know, commercial corridor. Let's build affordable housing. Uh, let's think about the green space. But when we really introduce kids and families into that, that is a really transformative strategy. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out for me uh, about the NAS, the NAS model. Um, so, so again, back to a little bit of that, uh, that, that, that uh, uh, question about, um, boy, isn't, aren't we biting off too much here to take, take responsibility for the entire neighborhood? And, and, and in Minneapolis on the north side, and certainly in lots of neighborhoods, we're dealing with a real rise in crime and, and violence, a spike here in the last, in the last several years, even prior to yeah, George perhaps. Floyd and, and the social unrest. Um, how do we deal with all of that as a neighborhood challenge or, or do we, should we be leaving that to others? And I know you've been very active on, on the, on the, the violence and the safety uh, uh, debates uh, and dialogue, uh, certainly on the North side, but throughout the city. I, what, what, what's your thought about that? It, it, you know, are, are we, is it, is it too big a hill to climb? Right. And Paul, specifically around like other neighborhoods that, that are experiencing the same thing. Well, I'm just thinking about, you know, um, talk, talk about your role in, in combating that and the role of NAS in, in combating that. And, and um, um, should we be thinking about other ways of tackling the violence and, and, the, and the crime issues? Um, and what have your learnings been as you've kind of been moving through that? Yeah. You know, Paul, I got to tell you. So the number one thing, this is the thing, I, and you can put it on my tombstone when I die. I'll probably get cremated, but, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, Paul, this whole thing around the sum, the sum of us, right. That this is not a zero sum game. 
it is about like I believe the approach to what we're doing has to be that we do it together across where we understand that um, and when you're collaborating, when you're coming together authentically, not just sitting in a meeting together, but coming together authentically, that one plus one doesn't equal two, one plus one equals 10, right? It is, it is the power, and Paul, that is the thing, like, it is always the thing that the, the sun, the, um, the, that, that the sum is greater than the parts. So when you talk about like approaching the issues of violence and so on, I don't have the answer. I think we all know that we, that, you know, there are things that absolutely have to happen to make policing better. There are things that has, has to happen around many of the things that, that ail us. And I think it's only in us coming together, Paul, and figuring it out, right? And then demanding change. And that, that for me has been the power of the North Side Achievement Zone. I, Paul, I gotta tell you, I get embarrassed when I'm kind of held up as, you know, this great leader of NAS. When I know that all of y'all are standing, I'm, I'm only who I am because of who you are, hmm. right? And so, so I, that might not have answered your question directly, but I know it is the way to the solution. And, and you can't bite off more if all of us are taking the same chomp, mm. right? I yeah. mean, that's the thing. One organization is taking on too much, you know? Um, but when you have this collective that's working, and Paul, you remember when, you know, we could put the same thing around COVID. As a community, we, all of our partners started meeting bi-weekly, weekly at first, then bi-weekly, then monthly. But at the, in the midst of the COVID and the violence, we started coming together. What's happening in housing? What's happening for families? What's happening in housing? What's happening in jobs? What's happening in early childhood? What's happening in the schools? You know, and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's the need, right? Mm -hmm. We have to take that same approach to, to every situation that we face, including the violence. Yeah, I, I love the way you put that. The sum is greater than the parts and one plus one doesn't just equal two. It in fact equals, uh, it, it in fact equals 10. And, and I, you know, I got to say, you know, we, we PPL has been I very much aligned with, um, with, with NAS and kind of your, your approach. Um, we talked to dozens of our residents in the, in the weeks immediately following, uh, yeah of the, right. the, the George Floyd killing and, and uh, the, the, the racial unrest. Um, and we asked our residents, um, what should we do about policing? Do you want more policing, less policing? Their, their response was, uh, we want more and we want different. Right, better. We want more and we want different. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Yeah. And the, some of the things that PPL is doing right now with some of the other groups, especially on the South side, coming together collaboratively, yeah. Looking at alternative, um, we've been working with a group called Brothers Empowered. We've been working with a Black-owned security firm called Twin Cities Lawmen. Um, and the, their approach is much more around walking, talking, you know, being with our residents and our neighbors in our neighborhoods that we have buildings in and, and programs in. It's much more about engagement and much less about enforcement. Right. And, and we're seeing some, some exciting results out of that. And I think a lot of the work that you all have been doing with 21 Days of Peace and, and right. my goodness, uh, you've had the, 
the vigils and the prayer services right. and, and folks walking out on the street. Again, it's a hard time. And, hard. and you're right. You said earlier, it's a symptom of, of other things. And so um, just, just last question, you know, lots of work to do, obviously. And, and um, even without the multiple pandemics, without the unrest and the continued kind of economic struggles, you know, um, what do you prioritize that we have to get right right now? What, what's kind of top of mind for you in terms of something that we need to get after in terms of the work of NAS and, and, and the neighborhood of North Minneapolis? Yeah, because Paul, we're a collaborative that, um, that, that focuses on children and family. And again, seeing them as whole people, not that they come in pieces. So all of these needs that they have are embodied in one person, right? We have to treat them that way. And so two things, one, um, Paul, your, you, your organization excels at housing and jobs. That's what you do well. Do that. Do that and do it well, right? Like, like we don't need to, we don't, we don't we, like, like just do our core well. That's the thing that we can, how we serve our families best. And the other thing though, is that we are in a crisis right now and we are, we are poised to lose a generation. And I've been, you know, the COVID slide is real. The economic impact on our families that we serve in North Minneapolis, Paul, you know, it's real. And this is a, this is a break the glass, pull the alarm moment. And I, I'm not sure if people are really mm. hearing us, right? Mm. And so we have got to, we're not going back to normal. So, so we have got to innovate, Paul, to accelerate outcomes for our kids right? And to meet our families where they are. We, ha we have got to innovate. It's like, we got to do it. And, uh, and, and, and there are many, many, many things, many ways. I mean, just every, we were forced to innovate and go online. Like Paul, I know much of your training and things of that is now online, which didn't happen before. You know, telehealth, you and I are on the board of health partners. They have been talking about telehealth for years even when I joined the board. And then finally, there was no other choice but to jump, but to jump over the cliff because it was like, you got to go to telehealth now. And so, so, so we are being forced to innovate, Paul. We can't do things the way we did them yesterday mm -hmm. because that's not the world we live in right now. And so it's doing what we do and doing that well and looking continuously, Paul, looking for the ways we need to innovate to meet our times. Uh, it's fabulous, Sandra, and I just so appreciate uh, your perspective and your time and and um, and your presence. Um, really does matter. I know we could keep talking about this, and and yes. uh, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. But but glad we could share some of your insights and some of our collective work with our listeners and to all of you uh, who've joined us. Thank you for listening in. Uh, I'm Paul Williams, uh, CEO at uh, Project for Pride Living, and this has been the Race, Place, and Policy Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think uh, about uh, the series. Drop us a note at communications at ppl-inc.org. Uh, give us some of your thoughts, some of your ideas on what you'd like to hear about in upcoming uh, sessions. Um, we hope you'll subscribe and sign up for notifications from wherever you get your podcasts. And again, you can always find us on our website at ppl-inc.org. Uh, until next time, uh, be well and uh, thank you so much. <laughs>